What up, everybody? It's your boy Theo Pencil here with another episode of Run Your Race with my boy, AJ Richardson, who is not here again. He's getting fined once again. But first and foremost, we want to I want to give and our team wants to give a shout out to Prize Picks for the support and the love y'all have given us. Greatly appreciate it. And we thank y'all for the support and it's been amazing. And we only getting bigger and better because today, hey, listen, we got a hoop legend. And I don't give a f- what nobody say. Hoop legend. The dude still does it at high level. We got a very special guest here today, people. Not much needs to be said. We have Isaiah Austin here today. What up, what up? <laughs> what it do? <laughs> not much, not much. But listen, I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna speak too much. I'm gonna let y'all let him tell his story. But this guy right here, everybody's watching the mixtapes. Everybody was trying to tune in. What is he doing? We need to find out what is going on. And he is here today to let y'all know what his journey has been and where he is today. So Isaiah, first of all, appreciate you coming on. It's an honor and appreciate you. I know you told me you watched a couple of clips and stuff like that. So I appreciate you supporting us too. But let's go ahead and get started with it. When did you start hooping? Where are you from? And uh, where did it all start for you? Man, all right. Uh, first off, appreciate you, you know, calling me to to sure. to get blessed with the podcast game. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Sure. Um, but yeah, man, born in Fresno, California, 559 kid, you know, uh, started hooping when I was probably around three years old, man. That's when I first started bouncing the ball, you mm-hmm. know, whole family basketball background. Everybody hoop. Alex Austin, Isaac Austin. Alex is my pops. He went to Arizona State, still holds some scoring records over there. Isaac Austin, he also went to Arizona State, uh, played under... Pat Riley in Miami Heat got most improved player of the year um, when he played when he played there. My my pops actually played 17 years professional overseas, mm-hmm. you know. So hoop has just been something that I've been surrounded with, you gotcha. know. Um, three years old, started bouncing the basketball. From the longest, for the longest, all I can remember is my mom always told me that she couldn't get a basketball out of my hand, you know. Really? And a lot of people always ask me, like, how do you have handles? Well, start young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a fact. That's a fact. Um, so, yeah, man, born in Fresno, California. I started hooping at age three, and the rest was just history. It was just, like, love at first sight. Didn't sight play any other sport. Um, man, eighth grade. So, man, I moved to Texas in the eighth grade, actually. Okay. Um, and, man, I remember my middle school coach. I forgot his name, but motherfucker made me play football before he let me try out for the basketball team. I'm like 6'8". Oh. Had me running slants and shit down yeah, the middle getting nah. hit by linebackers. Yeah. I'm like, nah, this is crazy, right? I'm like, this is crazy. So whatever that coach, that coach's name was at Worley, man. Yeah. I got I got some, yeah, got some, got words, some words for you. Yeah. You feel Damn me? Because you you could have yeah. you could have ended something great yeah. even before it, you know. Right. It's uh, nuts, bro. Yeah, that was nuts. Six eight running slants, that's a noble boy. Yeah. Though. I played baseball too growing up. Really? I was uh, a pitcher. Shout out um, to the Rangers, man. Shout out to the Rangers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> shout out to the Rangers. <laughs> shout out to the man. Rangers. Um, that's crazy. Like growing up with a basketball background, all you know is hoops. They can't get the basketball out your hand. Is there a situation where you feel like you have to play, or it was it like it wasn't even like a thought to you to do anything else? No, nah, it wasn't a thought at all. It was just, just it was just second nature. Like, yeah, I, I came out the womb ready to hoop. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I've always just had this infatuation with the game. Like it's not like 
you know, a lot of, you, you know, a lot of guys who are even in the league now just don't love the game. Like mm-hmm. I, I through and through love the game of basketball. Yeah. And I've always been like that. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but even when I like met you on the circuit or like when I was playing, cause you were older, I was playing up or whatever. You always had a rock in your hand. You would like walk around with a ball, like just, just on the street, not on the street in the gym. You'd just be walking. You have a basketball in your hand. I'm like, what? The? And then to think about when you said you always had the ball when you were younger, that helped you later on because there's not a lot of seven footers that can dribble the ball the way you had that muff on the string. So that definitely probably helped you as you got older, just being able to, I guess, learn and understanding. Like, all right, well. All I'm doing is dribbling the ball now. You just growing. The height was just a bonus. Right. At that man. point. Super bonus. What? Super what? bonus. Cause I had no athleticism. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. If, they, if anybody knew anything, all you was trying to do was shoot. That's it. Yeah. Uh, that's it. I know how to put that ball in the bat in the basket, but <laughs> shit, you want to see windmills and shit like that? You gotta Not go me. somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> go to YouTube, oh, boy. So when was the time where you like, of course. Your your pops and your brother played uh, basketball, but like, when was it like you took it su- super seriously? Cause you know, uh, when we were younger, we were just having fun. Man, probably when I when I got here to Texas, like, is okay. when it was kind of like a shock to me, you yeah. know? Cause I, initially when we moved from Fresno, California, we moved up to uh, Woodbury, Minnesota. Okay. And my mom had us there for like, I think we was there for like a year and a half maybe. Mm. And uh, I was playing for uh, Chris Carr's 43 Hoops. Yeah. And I was, we were competitive, but, when it came to like nationals, we played Texas teams, we would get smacked. Smacked. Played Atlanta teams, we would get drugged. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, the basketball was just different down south. And you could just see, because that's where all the talent comes from. For sure. You know, it, it comes from either West Coast or the South or mm-hmm. East Coast. You know, mm-hmm. it's not really, you don't really see a lot of Midwest hoopers like that's that. During that's that time, fact. you didn't really see a lot of Midwest hoopers. So, well, you didn't um, know about them either. You didn't really know about them, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so when I got to Texas, it was like, it was real. It was like a bidding war. For like, yo, who who's gonna get this new six eight kid on on their AAU team? I'm talking about everybody was blowing my line up, and it was crazy because when I moved there, we we didn't really tell nobody we moved. We just moved, That's and what I, I, was I, I went to you. I went to school, and then it was just like overnight, yo, he's in Texas, and I was like, damn, what? That's what I was about to ask you. Like they've blowing your phone up, like you. You made a big announcement on Instagram. Instagram Man, was not a there, thing. Then. We had no, no none social media, nothing. It was nothing. nothing. It was word of mouth. That's crazy. It was word bro. of mouth. So you get to Texas, and like I said, people don't understand. We understand because if somebody wants you on their team, they're gonna do everything. They're gonna do anything. It don't matter, bro. Shoes, all Shoot. that. Hey, listen. Gear. I know you was laced. Stupid lace. <laughs> hey, I know you stupid lace. Stupid lace. I was a Adidas kid. All the elite socks. I was a Adidas kid. I was a Adidas Were kid. Were you? Yeah, I wasn't Nike. I don't know. You I was weren't. A, I was a Adidas kid. I was a Adidas kid. And there weren't many. And there weren't many. And everybody was like, man, why are you an Adidas kid? And I was like, shit. Yeah. Whole family lace stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm talking I'm about little kid. brother, little sister, bro, mom, dad, fam, aunts, bro. uncles. I had a garage, man. You know, a standard two door, two two car garage, yeah, full of boxes, hundreds of shoes. Those were great times. It was crazy. I all all types of shell toes and shit. That's when people wasn't really rocking shell toes. I was still rocking them. Rocking. 
Rocking. I had shirt. every color. I thought shell toes were tough. Yeah, that was hard to me. Oh me. my gosh, bro. So eighth grade, you getting bombarded like you about to go to college. Yeah, it was crazy. So you end up choosing. You went to prom. No, I ain't go. I went to Grace Prep. You went to Grace. Yeah, that was before prom, prom. prep. Yeah, Got gotcha. you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So what 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 went into the decision of that? Uh, so this is the real story, man. Like, I went to a school, Mansfield Legacy. Mm-hmm. My freshman year. Yep. And uh I had this coach. Well, I could air his name out, but I don't, yeah. you know, I don't want to do that. Uh I had this coach and he he basically was playing like our senior over me because he was a senior. Oh, okay. And like yep. the senior was going to college to play football. <laughs> that makes no sense. So So he was just stuck on stupid. Stuck yeah. on stupid, stuck so on stupid. he ain't really he ain't really know what he had in in his hands, right? Yeah, clearly. And of course, when I left, he was sick, whining and crying, trying to get me back. And so I'm like, man, nah, bro, it's man. over with. But basically, what happened was, man, uh, we was in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't play, and you know, so I I told him straight up, like, I'm not tripping. I'm finna transfer out. Yeah. And he was like, you're not going nowhere. He's like, I got your career in the palm of my hand. I just laughed at him. Now, say, say less. Hit brother. the deuces, and I was yeah. I was I was at Grace Prep <laughs> <laughs> within days. Hey, <laughs> go, hey, okay. <laughs> this is the last time you see me, brother. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Come on, bro. Football player? A football player. He was going to OU to be a linebacker. To be a linebacker. It was crazy, and like you know, the one game he let me play in was when Duncanville was number one in the country. You know, that's when they had P. Jones, Perry Jones, Sean Williams. It was tough. And then he played you that game. And he played me that game. I was cooking. cooking. He, he, he didn't like that, huh? He didn't like that. I was cooking. <laughs> and I and I think I think the reason I played was because uh, dude was still in football season. Yep. You know how they overlap <laughs> yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he was still in football bit. season, so he couldn't play. Be. Had to be that. That's some bullshit. I was cooking. Cooking. That is crazy. What was the, I talk, we talk about this a lot. There's always that switch that, flick, that flicks for players and like how we hoop. When was it for you? You're like, oh yeah, I'm nice. Eighth grade when I got to Texas. Right when you got here. Because when I was playing with my Minnesota team, yeah, I was good, but I didn't know how good I was because I was playing down to my to the talent level. Gotcha. Because it wasn't gotcha. a lot of talent out was, there. You I don't have to work as hard. I didn't work, have to work as hard. And I gotcha. got to Texas, you know, and I'm playing at the park and you know, my parents are dropping me off at town park and you know, I'm getting real bumpy and yeah. I've really felt like, okay, I could play with anybody now. Cause yeah. in eighth grade, I was playing against high school seniors and everything, you know, you and I was, I was getting going crazy at the park, yes. you know? So when it came down to actually getting down on the real court, I was getting real bumpy. Um, it was crazy. So it was eighth grade. It was just like that wake up call of, of walking into Texas basketball. That, For sure. That, you come into Texas basketball and you, first of all, this is a different level. Yeah, it was elite. It was it's elite. a different level. Yeah. I would say as far as exposure and being out there, it's a different level. Because like you said, you didn't tell nobody you was coming here. Yeah. That's just from the word of mouth. So my thing is, how did you handle that at such a young age? You know what I'm saying? Like having all that attention, having all that, what would you say, like, was it pressure to you a little bit? Uh, I don't know if it was pressure. It was just like, 
my thing was I've always been an ultra competitor, you mm-hmm. know, like uh, I got, I got, I, I low key have a sickness how much I, I like to compete with anything, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, when I moved to Texas, I started playing with Marcus Smart. So, you know, I was with Team Texas for a little bit. That was probably the only Nike team that I played with. And even then we was, I think we was, yeah, we was Nike for a little bit. And then we yeah. went to Texas Assault and we was Adidas. Uh-huh. But when I played with Marcus, Right, so That's too competitive. Don't, no, this month he used to suck. <laughs> no, for real. Like I can, I can tell the story because it's true. He for never, sure. he never had the talent, but he was always the best player on the floor, and it yeah. used to piss me off. Yeah, you know. So like in practice, it used to just be me versus Marcus. Like Marcus would guard me, he would purposely guard me, and I could not score on him. And it, I used to be so, it used to frustrate me so much that this fucking 6-2 guard mm-hmm. was guarding me. And that, at this time, I was 6'9", you know? Yeah. And I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. But he just had that that grit and that type work ethic that got him to yeah. where he is now. And it got you to where you were. And it got me to where I was. Because every day, I used to be excited to go to practice just so I could play against him. Yeah. Because I knew that he was the only person who really just gave me fits. For sure. And he was on my team, you know? And that's the that's the part that I love about doing pods, to be honest with you, because we talk about stories all the time and like we look back and what we all went through. That's one situation right there. You're not it's not many motherfuckers out there like Marcus Smart. None. I'm talking about eighth grade, man. He was still doing that tricky shit, pulling people into him and taking charges. And I'm like, listen, bro, that's high level thinking, you know, at, at a and very, that, very, at, at a, a very young, young age. age, like and you're not running into that. That's anymore. why he's elite. Yeah, that's why I used to tell people that because, like, you know, I, we, at the, eventually we ended up all going our separate ways. Or I ended up leaving Team Texas and going and playing for my my uncle at Compton Magic. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I really, really just blew up. Blew up because yeah. I felt like for a little bit the coaches that I had, you know, with Team Texas, I just wasn't being able to play the basketball that I wanted to actually mm-hmm. play. Like I wanted to bring up the ball up the floor every time. I was yeah. trying to yeah, for sure. I was trying to get busy. You know. Yeah, and, and I think that's the biggest thing for like. You, I, I think you're very self-observant. Like, listen, bro, I, I have a certain skill set. Yeah. At the end of the day, you six eight, six nine. AAU coaches are gonna do what? Hey, we need you to go in the post. Yeah, nah, especially bro. especially at that time. Especially it, it, at that time. Back then, oh, that was all. Oh, that was the big if man. You era. over six eight. You're in the post. Oh man, you should see all the all the scouts that used to talk <laughs> about me so crazy, like. It's, Paul being Cardi, Fran Fraschilla. On like, your head. Not, not tough. Because you just don't want to post up. I was fucking 200. I was 180 pounds, 6'9". Like, no, nah, I'm not going to post up Cam, big ass Cam Ridley at the time. That's what I'm saying. You like, had Cam Ridley. Cam Ridley. You Prince, went in the college Prince with Rico. Ebay, Rico gathers. <laughs> like, the dude never played a snap of football in his life and got drafted. Hey, like, listen. Put a picture up of all three of them. Rico gathers. What what what's the boy dude? Cameron Ridley from Texas. He was huge. He was seven foot three hundred. <laughs> seven foot three hundred. Hey, bro. I didn't blame. I don't blame you. I don't blame you because who was the two motherfuckers that played for Memphis? That played for the Memphis team. He wore it. Jarnell Stokes. Jarnell Stokes. Yo, he was in my class. <laughs> <laughs> like and then yo, they had I, one other nigga with dreads. Steven Adams in my class. Yes, and Steven bro. Adams was a big since the beginning. He always been huge like that. 
I'm gonna be honest. Andre Drummond, he was in my class before he reclassed up. Listen, to go to the league early. Your class was crazy, crazy, crazy. We we gonna get we uh, yeah we gonna get there. We gonna get there. So when you get to Texas, right, and then you start, you move AAU teams. When did when was the moment you blew up to like? Oh, everybody know who Isaiah Austin. Oh, when when Baller's Life dropped my mixtape when I was with Compton Magic, mm-hmm. I went on that West Coast tour, and you know. Ain't nobody really seen me on the West Coast, but people don't know Ato was my uncle. Really? You know, like Tope who runs Compton Magic was my mm-hmm. uncle. Like, so I, I started running with Compton Magic, and it was me, Jahi Carson, Gabe York, Wesley Saunders. We had we had a squad, you know, but he was letting me literally Eric Armstead uh play the clip. <laughs> big big Eric Armstead. He plays for the 49ers right now. Eric Colt. He's Eric's a, a colleague of mine. Eric, Eric Armstead. <laughs> yeah. You know hey, what I'm saying? Shout out Big Eric. Shout out Big Eric. Come man, on, man. I'm telling you, we had a shit. squad. You're a colleague. Shit. Like, Bro, that's crazy. Crazy, man. And I'm telling you, but they used to just let me hoop. They didn't care. They never, not, not once did they say, yo, play in the post. But that's what's crazy, though, because you able to play outside. You got Eric in the post. You yeah. can handle that. And, and I was thriving from, I was getting like five, six blocks a game just because I didn't, I was coming weak side and just wiping shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I rebound now and I, I block shots for show, guaranteed. That's good. Hey, listen, there's one In the Big 12, do. I averaged three blocks a game, which is crazy. <laughs> that's nuts. Nuts. So you went with, hey, listen, when that, if you got a baller's life clip back then, yeah, you, you was, was up. Yeah, you was up. Yeah. You was, <laughs> you was up. I, was, I ain't gonna lie, baller's life back then was fire. 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 Y'all think, you think you had the best AU team? Man, we went like two summers in a row, no losses. Not one. Not one. We was going crazy. So that would have been your I got junior a, I got a call. I got a call. To, uh, that was my sophomore, sophomore, junior. Sophomore, junior. Yeah. Yeah. I got to call Tope and see, because we had like this crazy win streak. I don't even know how many games it was. I'm, I'm going to put it out. Dita Circle, weak as fuck, bro. Shit. We it was weak, bro. Shit. New, Jersey, like the- New Jersey players, Kyle Anderson and them. No. They was in the Nike. I played against Kyle. Kyle was in Nike Circle. You might have played. We, didn't, we never played Adidas Circus, though. Back then, there wasn't no there was no there, Adidas there was no, there was no Adidas Nike circuit. There was Adidas teams and Nike teams, and you just all played each other. You all played each other. Shit. Only oh, thing, only thing, only thing we had was Adidas sixty four in Vegas, and Adidas sixty four yes. used to be the shit. jumping jumping. And y'all didn't lose. Y'all won all that shit. Won all that shit. I need give, I need to do my facts. Shit. So wait a minute. So you did Bob Gibbons? Yeah, all that. We did all that. Y'all won all that shit. We was we was nice. I'm talking about nice. Gabe York and playing for Ignite yeah, right now going stupid still. Going dumb. dumb. <laughs> Stroke of the first game, then came out with like 40 the next 40, one. yeah. Yeah, we play him this week. That shit back to We're going to have to double on catch. But damn, that's a good ass team, bro. What what was the first what was your first letter? I know you got a lot of letters. Uh, Baylor, first one. That was and and Paul Mills. I call him Stubby Fingers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was a he was the very first coach that that ever came to watch me practice in eighth grade. I remember I was at Worley Middle School and I just my coach was like, you you know that's a college coach up there, right? He was just up there sitting in the corner of the gym. Yeah, 
That's crazy. Crazy. I ain't never, was, we ain't never heard that one. Eighth grade? Eighth grade, I'm telling you. That's, hey, listen. Well, what made, first, how I want to ask this. Your first letter was Baylor, right? Was that like, that's where I'm going? Or would that was just like, okay, that just end up happening that you end up going there? I think it, it end up happening. Um, What's your top five? I had Baylor. <laughs> Shit. Uh, I talked to Kentucky for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Syracuse for a little bit. But other than that, the other two spots was Baylor, Baylor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, listen. You, you want to know why, though? You want to know the real yeah, story why? Because uh, when, I, when I was... Before so, you start that, you would have been crazy in the Syracuse zone, though. Oh, yeah. Our Baylor zone was... The Baylor <laughs> shit was nuts. Y'all did it. I was on the wing in our Baylor yeah, zone. that was... That nuts. shit was crazy. No yeah. lobs, no nothing. Yeah, was it was strong. nothing. True. But uh, you know how... So the reason why I chose Baylor... And I, you know, I, I committed my so at the end of my sophomore year early. Oh, you've been done. Yeah, I, st I stopped. I stopped all the recruiting shit. Oh yeah, done. Respect, because Coach Drew was the only coach that I that I knew that I could trust. So all this because about when I was in the eighth grade, I had eye surgery, mm -hmm. and because that coach, Coach Mills, came to practice, he saw that I had eye surgery. Mm -hmm. So we ended up telling Baylor, you know. And that was the only school that we told that I had eye problems, mm -hmm. you know? And this was even before that I went blind. I, I didn't go blind until the end of my sophomore year of high school in my right eye. Damn. But everybody, everybody thought that I just wore goggles for protection. But really, I was, I was struggling. I was fighting through like four eye, emergency eye surgeries to try to save the vision of my right eye. Really? Yeah. And Baylor was the only school that we actually felt comfortable sharing that information with. And they didn't that? share with they didn't share with anybody because I, I I think it was because we we had that early connection mm -hmm. that like, do it I, I just I felt like it was it was a, a a family environment like Coach Drew Coach Mills Tang you know Mac like all those guys were like family to me mm -hmm. you know and and they didn't care that I had a quote unquote disability because I was scared me and my family we were scared that coaches were gonna you know pull offers from me if they found out that I I had vision problems yeah you know. Cause yeah, I was a good talent, but shit, you know, when you got one eye, people start to look at you a little bit different. For sure. But uh, yeah, my my junior year of high school, I, I struggled because I had no depth perception. I was I was new to being blind. That's tough. That's tough. Because yeah. at th that point, you you kind of having to recreate. I had to learn everything. I couldn't. Everything I can't even pour water into a cup. I still can't really tell how far things are for me. It's all it's all muscle memory. That's tough, man. And to be able to put the ball in the basket the way you do, that's fucking impressive. That's fucking impressive. What happened? Uh, so eighth grade, I was in warm ups, and I went up and my and my dad. He always tells me he's like, man, that's the strongest dunk I ever seen you do. I forgot who we was playing, but I I remember I dunked the ball and I got ejected, and I was mm -hmm. sick, right? But after I dunked the ball, I just felt like so energized and I was like, my pops, he always tells me today, he was like, man, that's the best dunk I've ever seen you do, I, mm. I promise. And that was the dunk that my retina tore. I came down and it was just like a red curtain was placed over the vision of my right eye. And yeah. at first, initially, I thought it was my contact or something. So like the next morning, I took my contact out and my vision was still like that. So I told my mom, I was like, yo, 
my my vision's a little bit red and uh so we went to the eye doctor we thought it was my contacts we thought i was gonna get fitted for new contacts new yeah. lenses all that and uh the doctor was crazy like i leaned forward you know you put your chin in the in the machine yeah. and, and the light just swifts one time yeah the light swift one time and he just sat back and he was like Phew. i remember he just took a deep breath out like that he was like I'm like, shit. Yeah. What you catching yeah. your breath yeah. for, yeah. Bucko? Yeah. You, you know? Uh, and then he was like, shit, we're gonna have to rush you in emergency surgery like tonight. So eighth grade, I, I had my first emergency surgery. And I had after that surgery, I had to lay face down for a month straight. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You had to do what? I had to lay face down. So what they did was is they lasered my retina back on. Yep. And then they injected this healing oil. But the way that your retina is placed in your eye, you have to look down yep. in order for the healing oil to touch where the surgery mm. was. Right. Yeah. So I had to lay down for a month straight, face down, like on a, on a massage table type shit. Couldn't move. Couldn't do nothing. I, just, I could only get up to like shower, eat, everything else. I, I wasn't going to school. I was doing all my homework. Like they gave me this mirror to where I could watch TV, like it would reflect off the mirror and I could see it. Shit was crazy. And I'd do that four times. And then the recovery was a month. Month. Bro, what the f That is tough, man. And then you come back and hope after that. Because at that point, if you get poked in the eye or some shit, it could happen again. Yeah, because I, I used to not wear goggles. Like I used to have two vision, two. I, like I still, to this day, remember when I used to wake up and be able to see out of both eyes. Like that shit is crazy to me. <laughs> like I'm looking right now, I, I can't see Hong at all. Like I'm, I'm looking straight right now. That's wild. I'm, I'm, I'm legally blind on this side too. Really? I have keratoconus, so I have the best vision of 20 Yeah, I have nothing. This is a prosthetic. Yeah. Wow. Man. And you out here giving up 30. That's tough. That's tough, bro. I mean, more power to you. Respect. So you're going through all that. Well, you chose. So none of these other teams even thought to ask that? No. I mean, how would they even know, though? Nobody knew because, you know, like at that time, I was I used to walk around with shades on all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I used to have a real, real droop. It look, used to look crazy. Like my eye used to be blue. Mm -hmm. And it used to be like bloodshot red. So I used to walk around with like shades on mm -hmm. and then game time came on, throw my goggles on and hoop you afterwards, too. put my shades back on. Yeah. So talk about this, which that story is unbelievable. I'm glad, happy you feel comfortable to share that here, but committing early. I think kids need to understand, like I'm not telling anybody to rush. But the benefits of committing early, I think, are pretty good to me. Because I right. committed at the end of my junior year. I think when I got it out the way and I could just go hoop. It was, it was relaxing. Super relaxing. Yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't stressed. I didn't have no pressure on me. Baylor told me, like, they wanted me regardless of my ranking. You know, a lot of, a lot of especially now, like, all these kids get so caught up in the ranking and shit, like, Look at who's ranking you, first off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> these, these guys have never hooped in their lives, and they're, yeah. they're trying to put a number on you, which yeah. is, you know, 
it's mind blowing to mind me boggling. still. Mind yeah. boggling. It is. Uh, you know, but you know they they're stealing money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Crazy. Yeah, but yeah, man. Like I just said, I had like this comfort zone that I that I just felt after committing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's cool. I'm good. And I never felt like, um, am I missing out on like the recruiting process or mm-hmm. anything like that? Because you need I... a bigger picture at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was a bigger sure. picture, and at the same time, it's like, because the what when you first when you spoke about, you was like, who I trust. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That was the same thing with me. Only person I really talked to the most was Coach Williams. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's going to be my coach. I talked to him all the time, trusted him, and like, if you got that, anything else going to take care of itself. Right. So the crazy part is you get done with your senior year, you end up finishing what in the rankings? I know you don't give a fuck. But you know uh, I mean? Like one or two. I was like two. Yeah. I was, I was one on some boards and two, yeah. two on others. How'd you feel about this situation? Every kid always dreams of it. We watch it every year, McDonald's. Yeah. The time you got that name, your name called and you're a part of that, what would you call it? Fraternity. Right. Or right. being a McDonald's All American. Talk about that situation, that feeling for you and your family. Oh man, that was fire. Like Tough. it just it just gave me the validation that I needed because mm-hmm. you know, I, I I fought through a lot through my high school career, you know, mm-hmm. just learning how to reshoot a basketball, learning how to pour water into a cup, fighting through no death perception, you know, mm-hmm. and uh still coming out like that number one, number two. Like yeah. I had thought I beat all the adversity God was going to throw me. <laughs> He's like, it's only all from here. I was like, it's only league from here. That's yeah, it. That's, that's it. it. That's the only thing. It's, it's only the NBA after that. For sure. You know? When, you, when you're battling at one and two like that, does it get to you a little bit where you like, I got to get up there? No, nah, I never used to care. I used to go on interviews and tell them like, I don't, I don't give a f- what y'all rank me. Yeah. Because, you know, they used to tell me like, oh, stop shooting so many threes, you're soft. That was the biggest thing is that mm. I was soft and I didn't have any weight on me. I'm like, shit, why y'all got me ranked so high? Then yeah, right exactly. Now? You know what it's I'm saying? Something. Like, yeah. you, you're just trying to, now you're just nitpicking, trying, yeah, to, trying find to find something, something. you yes. know? And, and and that shit never really got to me. You know, I, I didn't really care about it. Mm. And then I used to like, I used to come home from tournaments. I used to run into my mom and I, like, I used to be like, how was it? I'd be like, man, I, I ran into the dude who wrote so-and-so article. I was like, mom, you wouldn't believe this motherfucker has Dr. Scholl shoes on. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> he trying to tell me how to hoop. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, I'm not gonna lie, that was the hardest thing to deal with. You got these guys that literally can dictate a lot. They can, They and they have power to do to do it too. You know, and, and that's the messed up thing about it is because like, you're a grown man writing about children. Yeah. Like that used to, that used to be yeah. mind boggling. And then like talk crazy. Talking bad about them. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. instead of trying to lift these players up, like mm-hmm. some articles really, really tear guys down, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, there's a, there's a different, there's a way to go about it. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. There's a way to be like, yo, he needs to work on this or needs to work on that. Yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah. they like. They used to degrade. He can't do they, shit. They, they used to degrade. Yeah. Yeah, bro. It was, it was sick. Bad. It was sick. So. Going into uh, Baylor, you're looking for, first of all, did you do recruiting? You recruited guys come with you? Yeah, LJ Rose. Had to, had to get him. I needed a true point guard. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about true. Yeah. 
he can dime. Yeah, then 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 he didn't play. Yeah. <laughs> Coach Drew ain't playing. We had P Jack. It was tough. We had P Jack, but we was, you know. Hey, listen. I'm thinking he's supposed to at least play, you know, come off the bench. There was a part of me. And they just didn't play him. I was like, damn. But, we go, you know. Before we get deep into the Baylor fraternity, because we got to get into that for sure. But what was your welcome to college moment when you first got to Baylor? Oh, man. Guarding Brandon Davies when he was at BYU. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Issue. Yo, the motherfucker used to drive down the middle of the paint, right, and just palm the ball and, like, lay or throw a hook or yeah. fucking pass it out to a three. And, like, you didn't know what he would do because he would just be in midair like this. Yeah. And he was so damn strong, bro. And then he used to have this ball fake, bro. Like, he used to be on the – he used to spin. And you know how you, Luca, ball fakes around your yeah. body? He used to do that with one hand, fake it, and then lay it. That's it. That's – I don't know if I've seen some shit like that. Yo, he used to, I ain't gonna lie, Brandon Davies was like my. You bust your ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We won, we won, yeah, but yeah. he gave me fits. He yeah. gave me fits. He had you after the game, fits. like, yo, I gotta really, like, I gotta tighten up. Yeah, because that was before BYU was in the 12, you know? Yeah. So that was like non conference. and <laughs> That's early. And they were always a good, like, if you if you beat them, they were always a good, a good beat. A good, you know a good resume saying? win. Good resume win. Yeah, for you know? sure. So Coach Drew was, he's always been big on that, like, one of the toughest non conference schedules ever. Yeah. He, he, and, and that's that was, one thing. Baylor do play a lot of people. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to have some competition. Yeah. But the thing is with the Big 12, y'all, the field is so tough. That's why I try to tell but people. But you don't really got to do too much in the non-conference because yeah, yeah. everything going to take care of itself yeah. in the conference. We got nine going in this year. Yeah, it's crazy. It's That's ridiculous. insane. But what I was going to say was before, you let me know if I'm wrong. You cool with everybody, right? Y'all had, sometimes I felt like y'all had too many motherfuckers at the same position. Y'all had a lot of guys. Because you was with Q. Also, right? No, nah, I wasn't with Q. Q left. Q, Q stayed how many years? One. He left. So y'all was just y'all was just revolving doors. Man, I'm telling you. No, okay, okay. So what I'm thinking is if y'all all Perry, stayed Perry, together. Perry stayed Perry to play stayed to with play, Q. To play with Q. Yeah. And you would have came in the next year. And I would have came in the next year, yes. Mm -hmm. You knew Q was leaving though. I knew, I knew all of them. Perry should have left his freshman year. Yeah, Perry should have. Yeah, I should have left. I should have. I should. I fucked up. I should have left my freshman year too. Yes. I would still be in the league right now. Hundred percent. Because they didn't have the EKG test when I did it. When I left, if if I would have left my freshman year, that's a whole nother story though. We gonna get into that. It's a whole bunch of crazy shit. Listen, Prize Pitch can help you get your money up. Shout out to Prize Pitch for supporting Run Your Race. Me and my boy AJ gonna show you how to get your money. Prize Picks is the daily fantasy sports game. They make it super easy to play. It takes less than 60 seconds to make your picks and submit your entries. On Price Picks, you don't play against anybody. You play against the Price Picks projections. You pick two to six players. You either pick more or you pick less. You already know it's my favorite day of the week Taco Tuesday. Only because Price Picks has 25% off of certain projections. You know what that means? It's time for me to cash out. Like me and AJ said, Price Picks can help you get your money up. 
you can make 25 times your money. So if you put in $100, you can make $2,500. If you put in $10, you can make $250. And they made it even easier. You can use Apple Pay for a quick and easy deposit. Head over to prizepix.com slash race and use promo code race for a first deposit match up to $100. Let's go ahead and put that out there now. If, if motherfuckers had to stay two, three years, y'all would have been special. We wouldn't, you wouldn't have went to Baylor. We wouldn't have, been, we wouldn't have been able to play with each other, though. Yeah, you wouldn't have went to Baylor. Because, you know, me, me and P-Jack, I can say this now because, you know, that's, that's my guy and that's my dog. But when I was playing with him my freshman year, mm-hmm. we hated each other. Yeah. We're two alphas. Mm-hmm. I, I, I need that. I need huh? that. I need your plan. I need... I used to tell Coach Drew, yo, stop drawing up plays for him and draw me some plays. Yeah. In the middle of the game. I can see that. I was a, you know, I was a nut, though. Like, <laughs> I needed to come back my second year because the Baylor just, they they, they straightened me out as a man. You like know, maturity. They, yeah. I, I needed the maturity. For sure. And it's tough, though, because you got boxes of Adidas in your house. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you were the guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you were always the guy. So how are you gonna bring me here and not draw the plays up? Yeah, and and that's one of another reasons why my one of my high school coaches, you know, Ray Forsett, he was like, "You can't go play for Calipari because you can't talk to Calipari crazy." Yeah, he knew that. He yeah. was like, "Calipari, kick you out of the university, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you go, you go, you go tell Calipari, yo, draw me a fucking play." <laughs> You'll be gone. Oh, you know, Coach Drew, Coach Drew got God spirit in him, so yeah. he, he give everybody <laughs> second, third, fourth, yeah, fifth chances. Sure, you know what sure. I'm saying? So, Isaiah, calm down. Yeah. Nah, nah, hell nah. Kyle Perry be like, well, you can get, get your him out. I'll go get another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Baylor wasn't at that point just quite yet. Yeah, for now sure. They, now they is. For hey, sure. they, they definitely there now. But the crazy part is, I'm sitting here. So your team, the year before Baylor goes to Elite Eight, right? Mm-hmm. The next year is you, Pierre Jackson, Royce O'Neal, Royce, Torian Prince, who we Prince, talk about, Corey Jefferson, yes, Rico Gathers, L.J. Rose, Deuce Bello, Gary Franklin. <sighs> yeah, we was. I ain't gonna lie, we was nice. Brady was, Heslip, yes, and he was the sniper. Come on now, y'all stack. What the fuck was y'all doing in NIT? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't like each other. That was what it was. Nobody liked each other. I was a I was an asshole teammate. I used to make us run 17s every practice. Cause we had no cussing rule. I can't, I couldn't stop cussing. Every day in practice. Okay, that's it. At least five 17s of practice. And then we would run the 17s. If you ain't make it in a minute five, another one. So Rico Gathers used to never make them. Never. <laughs> <laughs> big Rika. Big Rika would never hey, make listen. him. Never. Y'all couldn't cuss? Couldn't cuss, man. Couldn't cuss. Yeah, I know you. I used to have a problem slamming my goggles, throwing the ball to the other side. Like, I used to cuss at the at the GAs, you know, for, for, make, for making bad calls and shit. I used to throw the ball into the stands. I used to kick the ball into the stands in the Ferrell Center in practice. Oh yeah, you had a lot you was dealing with. Yeah, I was I was a nut, man. I'm telling you, I was a nut. I was I wasn't right in the head. <laughs> For real. And I, I and that, that's real because I part of it was like I was super 
egotistical and like I had been through all I've been through in, mm -hmm. in high school, but I made it through still on top. So I was like, can't nobody say shit to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I done been through. I done been through everything. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And then the other part of me was, I'm just an ultra competitor mm -hmm. that I'm like Rasheed Wallace. I just can't control myself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's how, that's how competitive I am. For I, sure. just, I just can't control myself sometimes. Yeah. And it's not because I don't, like somebody, it's just that I'm, I just get in that mode when I'm competing and I just turn into an asshole, yeah. you know? Because mm -hmm. you just wanted to win. I want to win. It, it doesn't matter what it was, free throw competition. I, man, I remember we used to do the free throw competition. I could never beat Brady. I used to kick the ball into the stands <laughs> all the time. All the time, bro. I'm telling you. And then I would purposely go run the stairs because I knew what Coach Drew was going to say. Isaiah, take off. Go run the stairs. Go hit every stair in the Pharaoh. So you were just doing extra condition on your own. Because you was just doing dumb shit, shit. Basically. Basically, bro. And then punishing the team because you didn't give a f Man, yeah. And then it got to a point where Coach Drew would make me watch the team run. <laughs> that's sick work. And I was like, yeah, that's... I got to stop. Nah, I used to keep doing it. <laughs> you know, nobody used to try to whoop me or nothing. You know, I think a couple times, a couple times Rico used to try to fight me, you know what I'm yeah. saying? But didn't nobody actually want to fight, you know, yeah, in yeah. college, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, for sure. So, you know, they used to, nobody used to say nothing to me. Bro, I got it. We had no, we didn't have a, a senior, we didn't have a leader that was like vocal. Like, if we would have had Quincy Acey still on the team, no chance I would no have done none of that. None of you know that. what I'm saying? Bro, if Quincy Acey would have been on your ass. No chance. But we didn't have that. Quincy Acey left. Oh, so it was over. We had you Pierre, were the leader. Me and Pierre Jackson. <laughs> Two nuts. Yeah. PJ used to not practice. And start. <laughs> Anyway. I tell hey, I tell people this so he gonna say I, I told the story wrong. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, gonna, say, he gonna say I told the story wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what happened. Don't know what happened, man. We was playing Long Beach State, first round of NIT. You know, you play first round at the crib. Yeah. Man shows up like, you know, you're supposed to get there with like 90 on the clock. Yeah. Dress out, warm up, stretch. Time winding down. We like, where is PJ? Where's PJ? Where's PJ? Yeah. What I remember is man's walked in with some new Jordans in his hand from waiting in, <laughs> from waiting in line for some J's at the mall. That's the story I remember. He gonna tell you, hey, I swear to God, he gonna tell you that's not the story, man. Look, ask anybody else that was on the team, right? <laughs> Ask anybody else that was on the Boy, team. Let's go get on the pod. Right? We, oh, we so got to ask about so this look, shit. So look, right? Coach Drew starts AJ Walton. Yep. I swear to God, within the first three seconds, he subbed PJ. This shit was crazy. Yo, he showed up with like a minute left on, on, on the clock before game time. With new Jays. He ain't coming to the shit with the new Jays, bro. With the new Jays. <laughs> hey, respect. He probably cooked that game. Cooked. Of course. He cooked every game. He was a monster. Monster. Monster, bro. A monster. I've never seen anybody. I tell people all the time, like, just pure dog. Blessed talent. Like, because. When when I was in college, PJ used to never 
put up shots, nothing. He could just put that ball in He can just go on auto mode and shit just be cash. What was the, what was the game for you? That, uh, senior night. His senior night versus Kansas. You went nuts. No, he went nuts. Oh, oh you talking, oh, talking about for I'm me? I'm talking about for you. Oh, man, I had a lot of them. <laughs> what was the first one? Huh? You, you know my favorite game ever? So we played at Texas. Uh-huh. Um, I think it was a big Monday game. Played a clip. And, uh, man, I, 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 I'll send you the picture, but I, I was wearing these shaded, these shaded goggles. Yeah. I was hitting turnarounds, all types of shit. I had like, like 20, 20 plus and, and 10 plus. You yeah. know what I'm saying? The NCAA emails Baylor and tells me that from now on, I'm not allowed to play with the shaded goggles on. You know what they told me? Mm-hmm. Uh, unfair, unfair advantage. I was like, if you motherfuckers only knew that I was only playing with one eye, <laughs> even the playing field. What the? It was crazy. It was crazy. The very why next, you didn't tell nobody? Huh? Why you didn't tell nobody that you? I, I told people eventually. Like ESPN came and, and did a story eventually, like towards the end of my freshman year. But, Got you. Uh, I just I was scared for NBA scouts and gotcha. teams. You know, just like I was scared for college college colleges. Understood. Understood. Bro, they mad at you about some goggles, some shaded ones. I was play out there too. That's what was icy. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> my man had to hey think about it if you had the NIL right now you would have went crazy with the deals man the NIL was so crazy so like you know Waco was, was never when I when I was there I don't think we ever sold out a game not one time not one time now they're selling out every game but when I was there like my freshman year it was so crazy because my mom wanted to get a jersey before the first game. Yeah. First game of the season was uh, CJ McComb, too, Lehigh. Yeah. 36. He was cooking us. Crazy. <laughs> AJ. AJ Walden. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> 36. Oh, them Deuce Bello. Yeah. Yeah. Deuce Bello. Shout out Deuce. Shout out Bello. But hey, y'all got, y'all both got a piece of that 36. <laughs> <laughs> they gonna be like, where my help dude no nah, it was so crazy so my mom couldn't get my jersey so she was hot so yeah. afterward after the game you know she she giving me a hug and uh she was like take your jersey off damn <laughs> took my jersey off i gave it to her and she was like tell coach drew to call me if 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 he has a problem oh y'all out there running shit huh y'all out there running oh shit. you know my mom don't play when it's on me man <laughs> she was like i couldn't even buy my own my own son jersey she was like uh-uh we're not doing that because it sold out in the bookstore. They put 21 and 55. You know, they wasn't allowed to put that last name. Yeah. 21 and 55 with me and PJ. Gone. 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 Adidas, Adidas website. Gone. And they just racking up on y'all. Racking up. Ain't that bro. Adidas low-key owe me a check. They low-key. Low-key. Ain't, ain't no fucking low-key. Low-key. High-key. Yeah. High-key owe you a fucking check. Up. So, sophomore year. Sophomore you year. mature. All right. So this is the story for the sophomore year. So this is the reason why I came back to Baylor. Yeah. Freshman year, I entered my name in the draft mm-hmm. and I worked out without hiring an agent. Um, How the f- you do that? You just No, I was I was training. This is before oh, combine. Oh, 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 oh. This, this is, is before before, before gotcha. the deadline. Got you. So I'm in a private workout. 
you know, it's scouts and GMs and everything in there. Mm-hmm. I ripped through a pad and my shoulder ripped. My labrum, my right labrum, and my uh, rotator cuff all the way through. Couldn't lift my arm. And I'm talking about like maybe three minutes left in the workout. Some crazy shit. And you was cooking, you was probably some of the best basketball I've ever played. I swear to God. <laughs> swear to God, man. I'm telling you, I'm like, man, some of these stories that God put me through, dog, like, oh it's just, it, people can, can't even imagine. So my shoulder rips. So I'm, I got this dilemma now, like, yeah, I'm supposed to be top 10, but now I'm scared because I have, I just came out with the story, told people that I was blind in my right eye. Yep. And now my shoulder's torn. And you know, back then there was red flagging people for injuries like like that. Like left and right. Left and right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I had this talk with my high school coach and then uh with my parents and the shit, we decided like I needed to come back. Yeah. Cause we didn't want to risk it, you know. And in my mind, back then it was it was top ten or nothing for me. Because mm-hmm. I felt like I was the best player in the draft no matter what, you know? 100%. And I didn't care. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, it's top 10 or nothing. So I was like, I, I believe in myself. I know I can come back and have another great season, you know? So uh, we called coaching staff, Baylor coaching staff. They was like, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm coming back. They said, uh-uh. uh-uh. They hit me with the double whammy. Nah, you good. Go like that? Mm-hmm. So we had like an intervention. They had like an intervention, man. It was Coach Drew, Coach Tang, Coach Mills, uh, Coach Mack, Coach Maloney, you know, and uh, the whole coaching staff. Whole coaching staff, and they wrote up contract. I had to sign a contract. I still got the contract to this day of my career. Cause, cause, look, this this is like the this is like the monumental moment in my life that actually yeah. changed my life for the better. You for know sure. what I'm saying? But at that up until that point, I was a dickhead. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But basically, it said like I had to be a good teammate. I had to be coachable. You know, I, I couldn't show up late. Yada yada yada. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Just good. guidelines. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of it, it told me that the next year, if I came back, I had to be the leader of the team. I had to be a captain. Yeah. You know? And I didn't really want that role. You know what I'm saying? Because I knew what my teammates thought about me. They was like, shit, he's a dickhead. Yeah, dickhead. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to follow this guy. Yeah. So I had got my shoulder surgery, signed the contract, came back to Baylor. And for eight months, you know, I I was out like nine and a half months with my shoulder surgery. For eight months, I was wiping up sweat giving out guys, giving guys water, not being able to practice. You know what I'm saying? It was just like this humbling moment for me. Like, damn, all this shit could really be gone. You know what I'm saying? Crazy. 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 But that that moment, like Coach Drew and my coaching staff and my parents actually sitting me down and letting me know, like, listen, you got to you gotta change your life up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It changed my life forever. Because that, that prepared me for what was going on happen next at the end of my sophomore year. 100%. 100%. That's it's one hell of a story, bro. That is one hell of a story because I'm just sitting here thinking like, let's say your shoulder doesn't rip. You go top 10, right? Top five. Top five. Who went one that year? What year is this? This was 2012. Was it Anthony? Anthony Davis. Anthony. 
Anthony. No, no, no. No, Bennett. No, no, Bennett. Anthony Bennett. Went Bennett. Number one in 2014. No, that was Andrew. Andrew Wiggins. Andrew went. I think Bennett went number one in 2013. 2013. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Bennett went number one. 2013. Yeah. Yep. If it was 2012, then it was. 20, 2013. 2013. So you left. Your sophomore year was what? 2014. That's the year I left. Okay. Yeah. Might have around been number one. For sure. They chose him number one. I was I for sure knew I was gonna go. You might have not saying anything bad against him, but I was a dog in college. I ain't gonna lie. You might have around and been number one. I had I had like two twenty twenty games in college as a freshman. Does it come back? Does it piss you off sometimes? Think well, about it. Yeah, I get pissed off a lot. Like this is this is something that I fight daily because I work for the NBA. Yeah. Like it's like God has me in a a humble simulation that I just wake up in every single day. Yeah. Like I, I I'm just sitting here like I, I all I can do is just tip my cap. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. You work for the NBA. And you was right there. I was I was five days away. You was a five days away. Hey. So it literally like so in twenty fourteen, that's how it happened. So yep. you know, we'll you go ahead and get into it. Yep. Yeah, you get in, you get invited to the combine. Yep. You work out the combine, you know you gotta go through every team doctor. Mm-hmm. So as I'm going through the team doctors, you know, everybody's like, Have you had any major injuries? And you know, I at that time, I only had my shoulder, so they was checking on my shoulder. But then they started checking on my knees and everything, because I ain't never had no knees and knee yeah. injuries or anything. But they were like, my limbs are extra flexible, you know, like where my where my joints are. They're not supposed to be that flexible. And then uh, one doctor just randomly asked me, like, if I've ever heard about Marfan syndrome, and I was like, No, nah, I ain't never heard about that. Like, what is that, you know? And uh, I kind of brushed it off, and I went through all the rest of the doctors, and then after the combine. NBA calls me and they're like, yo, um, a couple teams want to ask you, you know, if you have Marfan syndrome, do you mind getting a blood test? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, shit, I don't know what the fuck that is. Like, yeah. sure, you know? So I stayed an extra day in Chicago, got my blood drawn, and then they sent it to the testing and they let me go on with my pre-draft process. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm cooking. How many workouts you do? Like 10. Cooking. Cooking. But like people started ducking me in workouts. Mm-hmm. That's what it was like though. Like they stopped they they started ducking me. Yeah. You know? Um so I get it gets to June twenty first. The draft is June twenty sixth this year. And I'm thinking it's a regular day. Yeah. You know? I wake up like six AM. Eat breakfast. I'm on the court ready to go by 7 a.m. You know, at Mo William Academy. Mm-hmm. Used to have Mo William MWA out here in, in Dallas yep. when he was out here. Um, I worked out with my trainer, Jay, you know, and my, my high school coach, Coach Ray. And, like, the whole time I'm working out, I can kind of feel something's a little off because, you know, Ray Forsett, that's my man. Yeah. Like, that's my – it was my high school coach. He, he helped me become the player that I was. Like, he used to just – dog me in practice so I could be a dog on the court. You know yep. what I'm saying? Like he held, he held me accountable. And uh I just felt like like 
what's up with you, dog? Like, yeah. you know, what your the energy's f- off. Yeah, well, your energy is off. And mm-hmm. I'm like, two days before this, I had got a call, you know, from Boston and, and the Clippers saying that they just absolutely love me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So like, I'm like, man, this is a celebration. Like the, the draft is five days away. Like I'm going top 10, you know what I'm saying? Like guaranteed. So uh, we finished the workout and he was like, man, let's go kick it with Mo. So the whole time I didn't even know, but like my parents, Coach Drew and everybody was just gathering at my aunt's crib. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause my parents lived in Kansas at this time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we went to coach, we went to Mo's crib, you know, barbecue, drinking, having fun. You know what I'm saying? Just kicking the shit. And uh, we got in the car to drive back. He got in the car cause I rode with him. Mm-hmm. We got in the car to drive back. And this is why I, sh- I should have known something was up, because this motherfucker ain't never picked me up. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he ain't never picked me up yep, for nothing. He shit. picked me up that morning. You know what I'm saying? Yep. He picked me up that morning. And he was adamant about it. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to pick you up. You know? So I should have knew something was up right then. Right you know then what I'm there. saying? Yep. But, uh, you know, we on the way driving back. And, man, when I tell you, like, he couldn't look me in my face. He wouldn't even say nothing to me, you know what I'm saying? And like, he low key was, was swerving the car a little bit, you know. I could tell like he was low key clicking in and out. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, what the f- something's wrong, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So then we pull up to the neighborhood, and like, I see Coach Drew's G wagon outside. I'm like, oh yeah. shit, we finna have a party. I was like, oh, he was trying to hide the party from me. So I'm geeked up, right? I'm yeah. geeked. I'm like, man, all right, shit, cool. And I see my mom's, my mom and dad's car outside. I'm yeah. like, all right, bet it's 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 cool. Like, this is this is the day. Like, yeah. we finna just have a little celebration because I had just shut my workouts down for sure. Um, and then shit, he pulled into the driveway and he just broke down. And that's when I knew, and I was like, I'm like, yo, what's up? And he was like, you, you need to go inside. And I remember I walked up to the front door and I unlocked it with my lanyard. And uh, as soon as I opened the door, it was like a movie scene. Like everybody was in front of me, right? And my mom was in the very back of the room, mm-hmm. but I just, I didn't notice anybody. It was what like, it was just me and my mom in the room. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy. Cause like I started walking towards her and like, People was patting me on my back, you know, Coach Drew and everybody, and my pastor was there, and everybody was like, you gonna be all right. So I'm thinking that I, somebody, my little brother or sister may have passed, you know, like yeah. I had a death in the family or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I walked up to my mom, bro, and like, my mom probably like the most beautiful woman I've seen in my life. Like, mm-hmm. she just dropped dead gorgeous to me, you know? And like, mm-hmm. she just, she looked like she had no, nothing left in her. Like, it was crazy, bro. Mm. And like her face, like my mom, she's little, this like, she looked white, but she's she's Korean and black, you know? Mm. So she was a little light-skinned lady, face cherry, cherry pink. And I'm like, what the hell? And like, as soon as she made eye contact with me for the first time, I knew immediately what it was. And I was like, nah, there's what? no way. How'd you know it was that though? Cause that I, was probably the most re- because I, I knew I knew that they were still gonna send the results in. You gotcha. know what I'm saying? Okay. And uh, so they sent end up sending the results in to my parents. Well, they told my agent first, mm-hmm. and then they then they my agent told my mom, and then they gathered everybody at my crib. And I remember Coach Drew and everybody everybody just dropped everything to be there that night to support me. And uh, I remember as soon as I looked at my mom, I just blacked out, and I. Only only thing I remember after I blacked out was that I was in the bathroom 
and I was splashing water on my own face. And mm -hmm. I don't even remember how I got into the bathroom. But I remember my, my dad was next to me. He was just like holding me, like kind of holding me up because I was stumbling a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had this moment where I just like looked in the mirror and like I just took a deep breath and then all my emotions just left. Mm -hmm. And like I stopped crying immediately and like I just wiped my face and I just went and I sat on the stairs and everybody came around me and like was literally standing around me. And then I looked up and like, my little brother and sister was in front of me and they was just like hysterically crying. Yeah. And like, this is the moment where I felt like God actually just spoke through me and I just told them, I was like, we're going to be all right. It's dope, bro. Tough situation. Tough, Tough situation. Just, I can, it's like I'm putting myself there as in, like, as I'm in the house and just trying to be like, what do you say? You know what I'm saying? Like no one knows what to say because they know how hard you've worked yeah. to get to that moment, to get to that situation where you've, you, you had all these things build you up to the person and the player you are, right? Things in middle school, you dealt with the eye situation. You dealt with just embracing the fame and the um, popularity. You got humbled literally just a year before. Yeah. You're like, I'm a better man now. You know what I'm saying? I'm a better human being. And now you're playing at a high level. You've worked back from tearing your whole shoulder apart. And then you get there and that happens. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's it's a different type of strength and different type of appreciation for like people like you just to, people need to hear this. You know what I'm saying? Like you can go through anything and for you to have that type of, that strength is unbelievable, bro, and I commend you for that. And that's big time. I mean, it gave me chills when you talk about you walked in the room and you just saw your mom. All those people there, you just yeah, saw your mom. That shit was crazy, man. Like, I've never actually, I don't think I've ever actually told like that my full story. Mm -hmm. Like, this is like my one of my first times actually telling my full story. You know when you do like interviews for like ESPN and everything that kind of chops chop yeah, it up, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Sure. It's not like real and authentic. Like mm -hmm. this is probably one of my first times actually being able to actually tell what really happened, you for know? Sure. For and, like, sure. and then even after that, I just, there was so much shit that I went through after that, you know, like I, I just fell into this like deep, dark abyss of mm -hmm. depression, yeah. you know? And like, like I said, I'm, I'm not gonna force you to talk about it. If you want to, we can. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I feel like people need to hear it, you know? For like, sure. What, 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 what was, I mean, my question kind of is like, what was next? Like in this situation, now you find out what's going on, right? Yeah. And ultimately let everyone know, cause everybody might not know exactly what happened. What, what did they tell you when you walked, when you found out the results? They told me that um, because that I tested positive for having Marfan syndrome um, in my DNA, that the NBA wouldn't let me, wouldn't allow me to get drafted. So um, I didn't know what Mar. I still at that time I didn't even know what Marfan syndrome was, yep. you know. And uh, I found out later on that night when they were prepping me because Holly Rowe had flew into Dallas, and the very next morning I was we aired it on TV on ESPN. Next so it was like, I didn't even have, I didn't even have a night to actually grieve, you yeah. know? 
And I remember that whole night I didn't sleep. I just sat up in the, in the corner of my room and like I was just sitting there and like the whole time thinking like, damn, this shit gotta be a fucking dream. Like, ain't no way. Like, it gotta be a situation. That's just not even a day. The very next morning, dog, ESPN. That's when they aired it, that interview with me and Holly Rowe. That's tough, bro. And it was like, I remember my, my coach told me, he was like, you need to do this, though, you know? Because, mm -hmm. like, at the end of the day, my story ended up saving a couple kids' lives, mm -hmm. you know? We didn't know it at the time that it would have yeah. that effect on the world, mm -hmm. but we knew that I needed to go up there and just authentically show my emotions on TV yeah. and, you know, let people know that shit, I'm still going to try to move forward from it, you know? Yeah. I think I think the next thing is for me, it's like, just talk about how you sit there and you're vulnerable and you tell everybody what's going on and what you're going through and how you may look like you're okay, but you weren't. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that's something that people don't understand. Yeah. Um, damn. I wasn't okay, like yeah. at all. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But uh something just kept telling me that I needed to act like I was okay on TV just in case. Yeah. You know? Um maybe I would have got a career from it or something, you know, like it could have jump started something else in my life, or, you know, maybe other people who may have been affected by Marfan syndrome would end up finding it out too. Mm -hmm. Cause like right after that, I, I started meeting with like the people from the Marfan foundation and they actually explained to me what Marfan syndrome was. Uh -huh. It's like a connective tissue disorder. And you can't really tell, you can tell in most people by looking at them that, that they have Marfan syndrome. But for the most part, like you have to get DNA testing, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but it does affect like your aortic valve and your heart, um, the lenses in your eyes you know, and things like that. And yeah. it could get to a point to where if it goes undetected and you exert too much energy, then your aortic valve can, could rupture, you know, from being too enlarged. Um, but like, I don't really know how I felt when I was actually going through that and just like going on, man, I, I went on like Good Morning America, Larry King, right after the NBA drafted me, like I had this, big one-on-one -on -one with Jay Williams, mm -hmm. you know, and like I had to show my strength on, on TV, you know, because mm -hmm. I didn't want people to feel bad for me. Like I, I still don't want people to feel bad for me because everybody in the in the world is going through something. You just don't know. Mine just mm -hmm. happened to be televised. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to show people that like you can have strength and that you can push forward. But at the same time, I wasn't ready to push forward. I needed some time to grieve. Like, I, I honestly needed some time to grieve. And I feel like because I did that, it put me into a deeper depression. Because, like, when you when you lose something that you really love, like, or if you lose, like, a family member, like, you need to get those emotions out. You need to talk about it. You need to be able to have a moment of weakness. And it's not necessarily weakness, you know? Yeah. It's a moment of just expressing yourself. Because mm -hmm. when you bottle things up and bottle emotions up, that's when things, you know, erupt out in, mm -hmm. into, Begin you to know, crash. into drug problems and, and, you know, problems with women and sex and alcohol, mm -hmm. you know, like it, yep. it just escalates into 
other problems, yeah. you know? So the trickle I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have that time. And I feel like that's why I, I, I had the deep depression that I did have, mm-hmm. you know? If you look back, I mean, uh, in hindsight, it's, it's, it's tough just because like you save lives by talking about it. You know what I'm saying? But like for you personally, I would have been like, bro, just take a day or two. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything you've worked for, everything you have, your whole life was for that. You see what I'm saying? So, like, it's it's tough to hear and tough. There's so many things going through my head and questions. No, I I, I do. That's the one thing I would have changed. I I really wish I would have just taken some time to myself. Yeah. To just decompress and to just, you know, figure out what the f*** just hit me because because the story's going to be there. Yeah, I was just on I was on go after that. Yeah. Like and I I can the other part the other side of it is too, you might want to stay busy. Right. To take your mind off of it. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To extend up to extent, but what was the what was the draft night for you? Embarrassing. Yeah. Um but also like it was like my dream came true, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, cuz it was just like Man, I was just walking around the hotel and like I I never once had made an excuse about my eye situation, you know, and I never used it as a crutch. And I never seeked pity from anybody, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just like I was walking around and people were just giving me pity. Yeah. And I'm like, what the f like I don't I don't need that shit. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I don't need that shit. I don't need you to feel bad for me because I'm at the end of the day I'm a figure I'm a figure yeah. this shit out. Mm-hmm. But and I'm not dying. every every single place yeah. I went, mm-hmm. people were just like looking at me like, I just feel terrible for you. Mm-hmm. And then that made me feel even more bad. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like it was tough. I was in the NBA hotel, you know, at the West End, and you know, they put me and my family up and like they were telling me to go to all like the the draft suites and everything and get all this free gear. I'm like, well, I don't give a fuck about all this shit. Yes. Like, I I want to hoop, you know, like I want to compete. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the embarrassing part. But then like the part where I was actually up on stage, like in front of my family, and shaking Adam Silver's hand, like that was like what I had worked so hard for. So at least I had that part of my dream, like. Mm -hmm. Fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. I I respect that. I respect that. Uh, Once again, I mean, like I said, no one can, um, no one's in your shoes and you're the only one that went through that and feel those real emotions, but I'm right there with you. I would have hated it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, it wasn't easy, dog. Yeah, like, I would have hated then that Then I was on, like, this media circuit, like, going from Larry King to Good Morning America, you know what I'm saying? And just, like, telling people that I'm going to be okay when really I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I didn't know because I didn't finish college. I left college early, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I, I never thought about a second career in my life. Mm-hmm. I never thought about anything like that, you know? I didn't know what, what the hell I was going to do. Yeah. So, like, I was going up on those interviews and just lying to people, telling me, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, my head is my head is still high and I'm I'm going to be okay when You have I no wasn't. idea what's next. I had no idea what's next, yeah. That was the f***ed up part. That that was crazy, yeah. That That's scary, bro. 
And that's what people don't understand about this basketball shit. Like, we put so much into it. So much of our life is into basketball. And that's why you talk about it now, though. You talk about, hey, listen, figure some shit out. Got to. Got to figure something out, man. Because, like, figure some shit out. It's like, you put so much work and energy into one thing, you know, that everybody always says, don't put all your eggs into one basket, you know, but as a basketball player, you think like, that. <laughs> you feel me fuck like that? And I'm finna, I'm I'm finna to put to all the these eggs in this basket. Yeah, you feel all me? That. Uh, but yeah, man. So like, that's why I do the work that I do now is so God forbid something does happen to one of the players or a guy that they have something else to fall back on, mm-hmm. you know? What is, uh, after that draft, after the draft's over, you did your media, what was, what was life for Isaiah Austin after that? Man, uh, just waking up and trying to make it to the next day, yeah. you know? Um, a lot of people don't know I'm a suicide survivor. You know, um, I went through that point in my life where I felt like I needed to take my own life and Mm. God wasn't ready for me yet. So I'm still here. Um, But yeah, every day was just a battle, man. Like, yeah, I was waking up and like, you know, I was the biggest thing on the Internet. So I couldn't even go to the grocery store without people just looking at me and feeling pity for me. You know, so like. Misery loves company, so I started feeling. I started. I started too. feeling bad for myself, you know. And yeah. I started thinking, like, damn, what? What am I gonna do? You know. Mm-hmm. So, like, life after that was just me self-medicating the way that I was, you know, with drugs and alcohol, and you know, women. Like, this just the God honest truth. Like, that's what I chose to do to yeah. self-medicate to help myself get through, you know. Mm-hmm. And I regret doing those things, you know. So that was the that was life after that. It's tough. Um, I mean, I appreciate you being vulnerable here and just expressing and telling your story and all that stuff. Cause like I said, people need to hear it. People need to understand, like, there are times that you just have to fight through. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's and there's people here that can sympathize with you and know what you're going through. You know what I'm saying? I think that's what helps with having this pod and having people understand what everybody goes through a different path, but still here and still fighting through and successful. You yeah, know what I'm saying? So, so what uh after that, what was what was the moment or something that got you back on your feet? Uh so I started I started speaking for the Marfan Foundation. Um I started being a spokesperson mm-hmm. for them and what really just got me back on my feet was just like the support from the community mm-hmm. um, and those who are were affected with Marfan syndrome. You know, they were just telling me that I was a hero because yeah. a lot of them have never been able to play sports or were too afraid to play sports because they were affected by Marfan syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, because in, in the handbook, it says, you know, like if you have Marfan syndrome, you're not supposed to have, exert too much energy because the the danger of your enlarged aortic valve rupturing, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, just to see like all the support that I had from them, it kind of just kept me going, yeah. you know? And uh, then I started, you know, I, I wrote a book and I just started trying to give other people hope, 
you know, even though I was I was still depressed, like I was still finding time to try to pour in, into other people. And I wish that I would have poured a little bit more into myself during mm -hmm. that time. Like I wish I would have got a therapist. You know, I, I didn't get a therapist until 2021, you know? Yeah. Like, I, w I wish I would have got a therapist a lot earlier just so I can get all of that hurt and all that pain up out, of, out of me. Yeah. But those people really helped me. And like, just the stories of everybody saying like, that I, 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 I helped them, you know, that kind of kept me going, you know? That's big time, bro. That's big time. And for a situation like that, it's kind of like, It's all in timing. Like in, in that time, you needed to give back. You know what I'm saying? If you want, just look at it, that aspect, like the therapist part for sure. Like yeah. We even before we both talked about it's it like you got to deal with those emotions. You got to deal with that pain. You know what I'm saying? The longer you let it sit, it you're gonna lose it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, it's just unbelievable situation. The way you handle it is just. You can't really put into words, bro. And I commend you for that. And I think that's really big time of you. Let everybody know what you're doing now uh, uh, and where you are. Yeah, so now uh, working for the NBA. Uh, but I want to. I just want to rewind for a little bit. So in 2017, I actually made the comeback back to the game. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, what I was going to ask yeah, you. Yeah. I, I didn't know. I, I'm like, but you hooping. Yeah, 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 yeah. So 2017, so, you know, this is where like it all just gets wrapped into you know the the cycle of the humble humbling and yeah. God rewarding you mm -hmm. you know for being humble. Mm -hmm. um, so as I was going through that depression and I was still giving back, you yeah. know, um, I was still getting checked periodically by my doctor, mm -hmm. uh, Doctor David Liang at Stanford, and uh, at in December 2016, I saw him for the last time before he cleared me and he wrote my clearance letter and then I was able to play professionally um January 2017 I signed my first professional contract in Serbia so like God put me through hell you know and he told me that it wasn't my time and he told me that you know he needed me to go along this journey mm -hmm. so I can inspire others so I can uplift others um and I did it, you know, yeah, even sure. as, as, as much as it hurt and as much as I didn't want to do it, mm -hmm. it just, it wasn't my plan. It was his plan. So, uh, he brought the game back to me because I listened to him mm -hmm. because I followed, um, you know, his journey and his path that he had for my life. And I, and I, I gave my life for two, two and a half years of being a servant to others. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he decided to bless me with the game back. So I played for five years, you know, I played in 13 countries. Mm -hmm. Five years, China, um, CBA, NBL, um, all over the world, mm -hmm. you know? And I was able to share my story with all different cultures of the world, all different people of the world. And it just shows like how strong God's power is, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then my last career, my last game was August, you know, September, 2021. And then I started with the NBA October, 2021. Got now you. I work with uh, in the league's front office for NBA player development. Got you. What was the reason you stopped? Uh, he only wrote me a five-year clearance letter. Um, oh, okay. okay. You know, he said five years is within the safe realm of me being able to par participate in, you know, excessive sports. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
you know, afterwards, uh, I really felt like I could have gotten another clearance letter written from him. Uh, but at that time, you know, I, I had experienced everything I wanted to from the game. Like, Understood. I wanted to be a professional ball player, and I got the opportunity to. And uh, I just felt like it was time for me to give my life to something else and just serve others. Yeah. So I decided tough, to take bro. the role with the with the league. That's tough, bro. That's tough. How you like that? It's smooth, man. Um, like I said, it's just it's part of that humble pie, you know. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I feel like the reason why I'm so successful is because. I've had a taste of the humble pie and mm -hmm. I know, you know, that God doesn't want me to be the person that I once was and that he wants me to serve others. Mm -hmm. um, so me being able to serve NBA players, uh, you know, guys who have been in my shoes, guys who have probably been through tougher, tougher and different traumas than I've been through, you know, it's it's an honor and it's a blessing to me. For you sure. Know, we all come from different backgrounds and, um, you, you know, I just, I feel blessed to still be a part of the game. 100%, 100%. And that's one thing like, you know how we talked about the scouts and shit, never playing, like there's a different type of respect when you call and other people that played in, at the highest level, like you know what you're talking about. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, there's a different type of respect that those guys have, you know what I'm saying? So I commend you on that and continue to, uh, Use your voice and doing what you do. But shit, bro. Unbelievable pod. Unbelievable. And I appreciate you coming on. But we got a couple questions before you go. Let's do it. Let's we got do a couple it. questions before you go. This is one that we have talked about multiple times. Hong, he's silly as hell. Actually, it's not silly. It's a valiant argument, but he's wrong. Better Braun. Okay? Think about the bronze. 2012. It's Bron, second year in Miami. He's from freight train. 2018 Bron. Was that the year he rolled his ankle like it was like a it looked like it broke and he just hopped up like it was nothing? It might have been that year. I think it was that year. It might have been. But it was the year he about damn near got finals MVP and he was on the losing team. Yeah. That Bron was insane. Yeah, that Bron was insane. So so that Bron or what was Or twenty twelve. 2018 Bron, 20, 2018 Bron, or 2012? or 2012 Bron, where he went ape shit in Game Six against the Celtics, beat OKC <laughs> in the finals, dunked everything. He dunked everything. I don't know, man. <laughs> that dude is just yo. Listen, like when you talk about basketball players, when you talk about like the perfect role model, geez, Louise, man. Yeah, man. Nan yeah. scandal, nan nothing. Nothing. Nan got a nan nutta. Nada. And just only take, greatness. <laughs> take care of his body. Bro, the talk man. about the most pressure ever from a, from any any sports. The most pressure ever. And to live up all of it. Exceed. Exceed. Exceed all, exceed all, of, it. all of it. Yeah. It's sick. I'm gonna go 2012. Wow. I think I'm going to go 2012. I'm going to 2012. I said 2018. He was jumping yeah, armpit jumped at the rim. Yeah, it was It was sick. It was crazy. There was something wrong with him. There was something going on. That year, he was actually in a better mood than he was the year before, but he was, he was fucked up. 
Second question is, what's America's team? Cowboys. No, no, no. Not football. <laughs> Lakers. The camera about broke saying the damn Cowboys. <laughs> America's team, Lakers. I agree. That's what I said. All right. I, I, said, I said Lakers also. We got any more questions? That's it. Those are the only two we were all with. Yeah, because D-Wade getting the statue. I tried to tell you. He didn't think D-Wade was going to get a statue. I didn't say he should. I said I didn't know. Pat he didn't Ryan think give him he was going to get a statue with, with the Heat. Are you serious? I thought he should. I just didn't know Pat Riley would get You think him. Miami Heat? You think Dwayne Wade? Yeah, For that's sure. it. But because he left, I could see Pat Riley. You know how Pat Riley is, like the whole stereotype around him. Nah, Pat, Pat got to he got to show homage. Got to show homage. Got to show homage. Does Kawhi Leonard deserve a statue? With t- in That's Toronto? In Toronto? Like, yeah. We haven't done that one in a while. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> hey. I don't, I don't know, Like man. I said. That shot was crazy, though. That's a crazy run. That was a crazy run, man. One year? Listen, bro. You get a statue for one year. Nah, not one year. You don't get a statue for one year. But... <laughs> Jersey but, retired, but retired. for sure, Jersey retired. For sure, I agree with that. Have to. You can't be immortalized in a city when you said, I only rock with you guys for eight months. Did he say that? He didn't say that. But that's he what did. he does by signing somewhere he, else. He showed it. Yeah, it was, it's a business at the it's end a, of the day. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's so a business at the end of the day. But, but sure. statues, are, statues are there the to statues, show homage. But statues I don't know. They business. might got to show homage, though, man. Because listen, statues are business. you come in for one season. And you get them a after chip. just winning a chip, and they get them a chip, come and on, then bro. get them another, and then get them a chip. Come on, bro. I don't think statues are all business, though. Yo, he, he, people don't understand. He won a chip. No, I know that. And then left, <laughs> and was like, "Yo, I'm gonna bring y'all this chip." Yeah, and then I'm out. <laughs> the chip I just won, I'm gonna bring it over to y'all. All right. <laughs> hey, listen, I think he deserves a statue. Got it. You got to. You gotta get that man a statue, man. I think so. I think so. I like it. Because that's unheard of. You don't hear it. You You don't don't hear hear shit like that. Nobody's doing shit like that. Like, people are joining another team to get a a chip. People tried to do that. Yeah, they tried to do that. You know what I'm saying? Did KD get a chip? When does he do it? He did it with with Golden State. You're talking about a statue? A statue. No, he didn't need it. There's two different teams, bro. I'm just asking. We're just talking about, he went to Toronto. I'm just asking. I can't talk about KD. That's my favorite player ever. I don't care what nobody says. I don't have a problem with him going to the He's a dog. But but my point was, should he get a statue? Because he went there and they won the first year. I think so, yeah. There you go. Finals finals MVP. It was done. (laughs) Finals MVP won him a chip. Hey, statue. (laughs) Thank you. Finals MVP mean best player. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought. (laughs) Shit. Oh, but that's hard to say though, because they got there. Steph too. Oh my God! But damn, that just shows how great KD was. Nah, he was great. He's he not. KD ain't getting no fucking statue though. They're not gonna give him a statue, but does he deserve one? Probably. Oh, probably so. They probably get all three. KD's not getting a statue. Joe Lacob said Andre, Kevin, Clay, Dre, and Steph all have a statue. I was gonna say they should. They should. All five of them will. They should. They all of them. Five. All of them should. He, he's ready to claim out and say that KD will have a statue. Steph's better be bigger, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, Steph better. Steph shit might be in the fucking arena. No, or some they shit. Need, they need to name the airport. I yeah, think. they need to just Steph <laughs> Arena. Like name the whole shit his. God damn. But man, Isaiah, man, I appreciate you coming on, bro. It's been awesome and unbelievable pod. I'm hella excited for everybody to hear this one. This is gonna be great, and I'm 
Appreciate you again coming on. And to all the Run Your Race fans, we appreciate y'all. Y'all know what to do. Subscribe on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that. And like I said, we're only getting bigger and better, man. Y'all already know. Peace.